Our gospel lesson comes from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 44 through 53. Will you please stand as we read the gospel? Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you are clothed with the power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple Blessing God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As we come to our time of children's message, I, I found myself wondering about hot air balloons. Have any of you all been on a hot air, hot air balloon? Okay, okay. For the rest of you, have you, I haven't been on one. We were scheduled to go on one a number of years ago and weather kept happening. So we never got up, but for the rest of us, have you ever watched them go up? And there's something that, you, if you're watching them go up, there's something that you always find yourself doing. I mean, almost vertically. I mean, not just kind of a little bit. I mean, almost completely vertically. When I was, when I was growing up, close to our house, there was a very large field it had been at one point a farmer's field and then no longer was there anything grown there. So its best purpose was for hot air balloons. <laughs> I don't know what else they did with it. Now they've repurposed it, but it used to be for hot air balloons going up <laughs> and then eventually the chase vehicle <laughs> and coming down. You guys see a lot of hot air balloons? You know what I'm talking about? We're gonna have to look for them. Okay. You guys are gonna have to tell us where the good hot air balloons are around here. But if you're looking for hot air balloons, you find yourself looking up a lot and just following them. And probably occasionally tripping into something. This happened to me more than once. I have a sense that in the gospel that 
Diane just read for us, Jesus and the, as Jesus ascended, the disciples were a lot like that. Because Jesus is ascending, and they're so surprised that they don't know what else to do besides just keep looking up. When a hot air balloon shows up, most of the time you and I don't know it was coming. Now, if you were on it, you probably knew. But most of the time, we are so surprised by it, we just stop and watch for a while. The disciples had to have someone tell them, Men of Galilee, get back to your work. You got something else to do. If you're watching a hot air balloon, eventually somebody's going to call you in, right? <laughs> you got something else you got to get to doing. I have a sense that the disciples are teaching us something here. <laughs> we have to get to work. Like the hot air balloons. They're eventually going to come down. Jesus doesn't, but we have to get to some work. You know that every time you see a hot air balloon, it's a reminder to us. It's a reminder of the ascension. It's a reminder that even as we look up and we're reminded of God who is risen, there's still work for us to do. So I want to challenge you to look for hot air balloons. Look for the times that you're looking up and admiring. And then don't forget to get to work. There's something yet to do. <laughs> it's important to have those times in which we look up. And yet God still calls us to get to work. Would you pray with me and ask God to help us? Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you for Jesus who ascended to you and is seated at your right hand. Remind us to get to your work, saving your world. Amen. Let me know. I'm really curious if you all see any hot air balloons. I, I'd like to know around here where the hot air balloons are. I haven't seen them yet. I'm curious. Some of us can hear the call of adventure. Some of us can feel the tug of possibility. And we're just ready to jump in and get going. So it was a 27-year-old captain and a 30-year-old second lieutenant who recently retired from the Army and eagerly accepted a venture to go to a place that no records had yet been made. And in their crew, had to gather some folks to go with them, they retained the experts of the day, as well as some 
people who were just eager to be employed. They gathered the necessary supplies, scant bit of information, medical, navigational, <coughs> botany, zoology, and a little bit of diplomacy. With just this bit of information, they went hiking, canoeing, and surveying. Are you curious yet? <laughs> With the recent purchase of 828,000 square miles of the Louisiana Purchase from 1803 from France, President Jefferson commissioned the Corps de Discovery Expedition to survey the geography, animals, botany, and economic potential of the land. And here we have the Lewis and Clark Expedition. This large swath of land eventually had 15 states and two Canadian provinces. So Meriwether Lewis and William Clark oversaw 45 persons and one dog, seamen, apparently made the whole trip, this dog, in the well-documented exploration. So as they approached the Missouri River, they followed it as it went through modern-day states, Missouri, Nebraska, North and South Dakota, and they came to the pass that was to go through the Continental Divide, they actually drug canoes across all of the land. They were told that there was going to be water on the other side of this pass, so they just drug these canoes all across. This pass through the mountains was found because of Sacagawea, you might remember, of the Shoshone Nation. She knew the area. Having found the canoes up the mountain through the pass, they kept these boatmen on employ and engaged the local trail expert. Lewis and Clark expected to put their canoes right back in the river over the other side. And their journals document that they hiked the pass and then stood, mouths gaping open. It wasn't at all what they expected on the other side. If you've ever been to the West, you know the majestic Rockies rose at their feet. Not another river. They couldn't canoe the mountains gathered on the top of another mountain, another group of enterprising young people ready to change the world were confident. Their leader had been hitting the high points with a pep talk. Imagine their surprise when he raised his hands and ascended before their eyes. Jesus had said he was returning to the Father, but they didn't know exactly how or when, and it just happened before their eyes. No wonder they stood with their eyes open on the Mount of Olives, wondering, is he coming back again? 
And when? What just happened? What did we see exactly? I have a deep sense that we kind of know how they feel. We know what it's like to plan for one outcome and have something different happen. We know what it's like to expect one thing and be blindsided by something different all together. During this season I'm going to call COVID Tide. We in the church like the word tide, Easter tide, Christmas tide, so I'll call it COVID tide. This was a bit unexpected. Last March, as a congregation, kind of expected that the largest transition was going to be pastoral in nature. Perhaps a general conference would be the largest transition. And while winter brings a threat of illness, the size and scope was unprecedented in most of our lifetimes. Even in the early days, we imagined we'd stay home a few weeks, take home some work and, remember this, flatten the curve? 14 months later, we couldn't imagine the impact and the significant changes to our personal lives, the lives of our communities, the congregation, and the world. Like the apostles who found themselves staring up at the heavens with their mouths gaping open, I know that every single one of us has had a moment of wondering in one form or another. The Pew Research Center found that 25% of Americans have actually had increased faith in one way or another during this time of pandemic. Isn't that interesting? We've found ourselves praying and seeking God's wisdom. Many of us have needed to seek God's wisdom in making best decisions for what God is calling us to do at greater intensities, more than we ever have before. As a congregation, we've had to do the same thing for a larger body of people. We give thanks to God for the ways in which we're connected across multiple medium. We have people worshiping in the sanctuary, at their homes, as they're traveling. Our technology team, thanks be to God, helps people and increases connections. Our membership and evangelism team is doing distribution through DVDs. We are blessed. And there are adaptations and learnings that we have that are truly excellent. Did you know that we have people who can worship with us on Sunday afternoons after they go to work on Sunday mornings? This couldn't have happened two years ago. Did you know we have people who worship with us from Philadelphia and from New York? I know there are people from other places. They should comment below so we can say hello. I give thanks to God for the words of Jesus to the apostles. You 
are my witnesses? The Greek word martyrs, which means martyr, we've often heard it that way, but it's more than that. It means you are like a professor teaching. Ever think of yourself like that? <laughs> you, my witnesses, are like a professor who is teaching. You watch and you discern. Indeed, you have been watching and discerning. And you know this. It's not going back to exactly what it was before. We're not going exactly back to what we were before. We've learned much, much of what is vital, giving life to God's people and sharing the good news with our community, telling the story of what God's been doing to shape a new vision for this season of our church. So I give thanks to God for this summer as we join with Wooddale United Methodist Church to relaunch Vacation Bible School for the children of our church family and our congregation and our community with the theme of Everest. Reminding ourselves about how God conquers challenges with mighty powers. Everest, the tallest mountain in the world. It was 68 years ago when it was first the climb to the top in this month of May. And now 4,000 people have completed that accomplishment, including two who have done it over 21 times. It takes about three months to do the full journey. An extensive knowledge of those who have gone before is essential to anyone who does it. I think about that as we plan for our Vacation Bible School. Any one of us who has done Vacation Bible School before, we know that. We need crafters and game players. We need song singers and we need kitchen helpers. We need Bible storytellers and science whizzes. We need prayers. Do you remember the days of Vacation Bible School gone by? Do you remember when someone set aside time to teach you, Jesus loves me, and Jesus wants me for a sunbeam? Do you remember somebody pouring you lemonade and giving you graham crackers or apple juice and cookies? Dressing up like Elijah or Moses, Lydia or the Samaritan woman to tell you stories that just came to life in a way you never heard. Do you remember popsicle stick crafts and sun catchers, coloring sheets and edible crafts that never quite made it to the car because you ate them on the way? Maybe you remember going from vacation Bible school to vacation Bible school to vacation Bible school every week out of the summer. We have an opportunity this year to prepare that for the children, the ones that are already in our church family, and the ones who aren't yet here. Every time I walk through the halls of our church, I pray that God would use our church for God's purposes. I ask that you would join me in that simple prayer. Use our church for your purposes, God. 
May God prepare our hands and our hearts, our building and our vision for what God has in store. It would be simple to gaze upward and only reminisce about what's happened before, but God calls us to go forward to the work of today. As a people who gather, grow, and make a difference, we're invited to work together. So I need your help in this way. Reach out to your family and friends, your neighbors and your coworkers, as we prepare for Vacation Bible School. The apostle reminded the community of faith at Ephesus that it was their faith in Jesus and their love for one another that carries them. Is it not true here as well? For Lewis and Clark, they encountered the Rockies and they realized the canoes that they had been carrying with them over the overland passes, they wouldn't serve them. So they traded them for horses with the Shoshone Nation. After dragging them through the pass, the issues of desertion and infighting, they focused on the goal of discovery. And the Pacific Ocean was soon what they saw. For the apostles, they heard, get going, in their ears. And they went to Jerusalem with the Holy Spirit coming 10 days later. And God calls them. For us, we recalibrate and get back to work. God is giving us a vision for what comes here in this place. So as we bring focus forward, we pray that God will give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation as we're coming to know him, so that the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened and we may know what is the hope to which Christ has called us so that the riches of his glorious inheritance may be among the saints. What is immeasurable goodness, greatness of God's power for those who believe, according to the working of Christ's great power. You remember hearing that? That came from the blessing at Ephesus. This is the gospel. It's the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God.